0: This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com Alright, so I hope everyone had a beautiful, unbelievable, spiritual Purim and at least it raised you to the level of now preparing for the next four weeks 30 days before Pesach, we have to prepare for the big night of Pesach I'm just going to touch on Pesach a little bit tonight we have to stop The next three shiurim before Pesach will be all about the seder and the engagement, and why Moshe Rabbeinu's name is not there, and how the white of the matzah is the bones of the person, and the blood and the red of the wine, the blood of a person and the building of a human being at the seder. We actually build the human being at the seder. That's where the, that's where the there's the whole thing. In the first Rashi asks. Why do why do we start with Voracious? Why don't we start with the first mitzvah? Okay, we're gonna mitzvah in the next few we're gonna speak about that. But there's one little part, one little subject that I'd like to start with. In Pasha's Bo, where it talks about the Pesach that everything began, the Pesach and Mitzrayim, it says the following, a halacha that they had in those days when they went out of mitzrayim, which we don't have today on Pesach, this halacha. And that was that they had to take the blood right um, on the inside of their houses I'll read you the passage from inside they should take from the blood they should put it on both sides of the door with the mezuzah side on the other side the mashkov is the top beam and they should put it on the top beam them um, in the house where the Jews were eating so in other words, you sat you, saw, you sat inside that night of Marcus Bechoros, of, of the night before Etias Mitzrayim, you sat in your house, you ate matzah, you ate, you ate the carbon pesach, but you also did something that we don't do today. You took from the blood of the carbon pesach, and you dipped, in, you dipped, uh, grass, whatever, and you, and you put it on both sides of your doorpost, and on top. Okay, that's what it says in the Pussy. Now, a few took him later, and Pussy could gimble, Yud bays, it says, hadam this blood, should be a sign for you. Al-Habatim, on the houses, Asheh Atem sham, that you are there. I will see the blood, Ufosach the Alehem, and I will pass over you. By the way, that's where the word Passover comes from. That's where Pesach comes from, this prosik. Ufosach the Alehem, if I see the blood, I will pass over. And you will not have the plague, lamashkets of destruction, baha the earth mitzraim, that when I, when I wipe out earth mitzraim. And Pesach will be a, a day of remembrance, chag and you will, uh, make this a holiday for Hashem, for your generations, chukas to and it's, it's a choyk that you should celebrate this. So there's a very big question on this. And the very big question on this is, that if you're putting blood that Hashem should see that you believe in him, right? That he should pass over your house, you would put the blood on the outside, not on the inside. It would be a, right? But there's a mezuzah on the door anyway, so why does Hashem need us to put blood, Let's put blood, right, on the door on the inside? You know, like uh, when the people who collect money for Tzedakah they look at the door. If there's a mezuzah, they knock on the door. If there's no mezuzah, then it's not a Jewish house, right? Famous joke. The famous, a famous joke where this guy um, was living in an apartment building, and this non-Jewish guy came to him, knocked on his door. He said, "Listen, I'm having a very hard time. You know, uh, I'm having a very hard time making a living, and I see the Jewish people; they do very, very well." She says, "Tell me what." You know, why Jewish people do well? So he said, the Jewish guy said, because we put mezuzot on our door. And the mezuzah, when you put it on the door, that brings mazel, that brings luck to the house. It's true, right? So the non-Jewish guy says, that's fantastic. Could I get one of those? He said, no problem. I'll pick one up for you tomorrow. You put it on your front door. So the Jewish guy went, he bought the non-Jewish guy a and... The non-Jewish guy puts the mezuzah on his, on his front door. 30 days later, they knock on the Jewish guy's door. It's the non-Jewish guy. He's got the mezuzah in his hand. He says, take this back. I don't want it. I don't want to ever see it again. And I, that's it. I've had it. So the Jewish guy looks at the guy. He's a non-Jew, the idol worshiper. And, and he says, I don't understand. It didn't bring you luck. He says, listen, man. Since I put that thing up, luck, my business went triple. But my doorbell doesn't stop ringing. (laughs) And all the money I made, all these rabbis come and they're taking all my money away. Just keep it already. Anyway, so how do you know if the Jew lives there? You know if the Jew lives there, if there's a mezuzah. So why does Hashem have to make this whole thing, you should put blood on the inside? If you're going to put blood, put blood on the outside. Put blood on the outside. Hashem will see the blood and he'll pass it. What? Where does it say that it was on the inside? You think it was on the outside? I'm making a whole big mistake here? Oh my goodness. My whole shear is gone. You thought, you thought it was outside? There goes my whole shear. Torah, anytime has me here on this huge mistake, I, I prepared a whole shear on this. Oh, some guys, some guys. Zatrashi! Grab, you got to learn Rashi when you learn Chumash. Plus good Gimel. <laughs> <laughs> the blood should be a sign on your houses that you're living in, right? I'll see the blood and I will pass it. Let's look in Rashi. Pick up the glasses because it's a very small print. <laughs> It should be for the Jews sign, but not for the non-Jews assigned. From here we learn, Torah and We learn from here that the blood was put on the inside. Now we can continue with the shir. Thank you very much. <laughs> now, the next Rashi... So it says that Hashem will see the blood. Right? Hashem will see the blood. Says Rashi, Hakob What's the difference if the blood's inside or outside? Hashem can see the blood inside. He can, he's just as good as Superman. He can see his x-ray vision. He can see through the door. Says Rashi, Hakob Everything is to Hashem revealed. I want to see, I want to go inside your house, and I want to see that you're keeping the mitzvah of Pesach. Look at it this way. If what happened last night in the girl's show, it would have been more embarrassing. Okay, so that's my photographer in the, in the girl's show. Anyway, so what's the lesson? You have to say, maybe, I think I might have learned... Maybe, I think I might have learned that it was on the outside. Then it's, then it works. Okay. So, it was on the inside. It's fine. It's cool. We're cool. We're good. I just, I got st- scared for a second. I'd have to stop the share and then redo the whole thing. Okay. There's probably, that's what Rashi says. It could be that stuff that there's another Mepharshian that says on the outside. I don't know. I didn't learn all the Mepharshian. That's what Rashi says. Rashi says on the inside and my whole is on that, on that basis. So the question is, the question is, we're still friends. The question is, why? Why did you have to put blood on the inside? And the answer is, from I want to answer this with very interesting um, chazal and mefarish on this week's parasha. Now I have to be very careful how I teach this, because I have taught this before, maybe not in Chabura, and guys took it wrong. So I'm going to try to clarify what I'm about to say, Trying to make it very, very, very clear. Okay. Pasha Shemini, this week's Pasha, is the Pasha where... hope you're Michael. I didn't mean to... You're Michael me? 100% okay. Heshi, <laughs> Michael me? Yeah. I'm okay, Yishkoyach. All right. No, whatever first. I said about Fahesia, I have to ask Mechilu if Fahesia. What? I'm for sure Michael. I was right. So I'm surely Michael. <laughs> <laughs> if I was wrong, I don't know if I'd be Michael for disturbing me. If I'm right, I'm Michael you automatically. All right. Anyway. So this week's Pasha is the parsha of kosher and non-kosher. This is where we learn all about kosher and non-kosher. Now, the Torah tells us that any animal that has split hooves and chews its cud, chews its cud if you ever uh, saw a whore, or saw a cow, so he, he eats some, he pulls out some hay, and then he chews it, and then all of a sudden you'll see him half an hour later chewing again, but he didn't pull out any more hay. Because they have like seven stomachs, they bring it up, they bring it down. They chew it first, but not that well. It goes into the stomach. They sort of throw it up inside. They chew it again, it goes back down. They chew it again, it goes back down. It takes them a few times. They regurgitate it. Thank you. So that's called the, malig- the maligera. And the, sh- and the hoofs, the hoofs have to be split all the way through. A camel, if you ever watch a camel, he does it all day long. All day long he's regurgitating. And if you look at the camel's hoofs, you'll see that it's split, but it's not split all the way through. On the bottom of the hoof, there's a piece of skin. It's not split all the way through. That's why it's not kosher. It has to be split all the way through, and at the same time, it has to um, chew its cud. One of the proofs that Eshah Torah brings that there's a God in the world comes from this. Because the Torah tells us, the Torah tells us that there's only one animal in the world that that has split hooves, it has really kosher split hooves, but it doesn't chew its cud. There's only one animal, the pig. Now, Esha Torah gives a whole share on this. You want to know for sure that there's a God? Okay. So to all the people that say that the Torah was written by Moshe, let's say, by a man, right? So if you were, if you wanted to start a religion, if if a guy in this room wanted to start a religion and you wanted to write a Bible for your religion, the first thing you're going to make sure that you're not going to write anything that could be proven wrong. Because once it's proven wrong, your religion's out the window. So you'd rather not write anything. Right? Don't write anything. You're not you're going to write about believe it, but you're not going to write facts. If you write facts and the facts are wrong, then if that fact is wrong, the whole religion is gone. Along came the Torah, and the Torah says there's one animal in the whole world that has split hooves and doesn't chew its cut, and that's the chazir. So, there's only one being in the world that can make such a statement that knows it can't be proven wrong. The one who created the world. There's no human being that can get up and write in, in their Torah that there is one animal in the world that has split hooves and doesn't chew its cud because 500 years later someone's gonna go to the Amazon forest and they're gonna find something that has a that has split hooves and doesn't chew its cud then your whole Torah is out the window so the proof that the Taqash Baruch Hu is that God was willing to write a statement in the Torah that He knew could never be proven wrong how could any human being write a statement that there's nothing in the world? We, there's no human being that saw the whole world. There's Alaska, there's the Amazon, there's the Antarctica, there, there, there's millions of miles in the woods. The biggest zoologist could not, the biggest zoologist could not write, they just found on the Annapolis, uh, whatever, uh, island somewhere, I just read, some kind of animal that was prehistoric that, that it was never in zoology, they didn't even know it existed, right? So, so... A zoologist can't write such a statement because maybe they're going to find one and then he's going to look like an idiot. So Aisha Torah, one of their proofs, one of their proofs that they bring is that the Torah tells us that the Chazir, the Chazir is the only animal that has split hooves and doesn't chew its cut. And only God could say that. There's nothing, no being in the world that knows every animal. So only God could say that. And to, to this day, it hasn't been proven wrong and it never will be proven wrong. Tell them when Mashiach comes, I think that he's gonna get the other sim in the chazir. He's gonna get the other sim and he's gonna... There's a whole big Shiloh. What happens if you have a freaky... If you have a, an animal, that, or let's say they they go ahead and they clone a pig that chews its cud with a cow, or whatever. You know, we don't know what science can do. Is that a kosher? Would it be kosher? Well, let's say you have a freak pig that's born, or you have a freak camel. And the camel's born. It's a freaky camel. He gets born. He's an albino. He's a white camel. And he gets born with... Split hooves. And his hooves are split through and, th- through and through. Is he kosher? And the answer is no. It have to, the min, the species, has to be kosher. So if you have one animal that came out, somehow, you know, whatever, it's not kosher. Also, fish. There's no fish, there's no fish that has scales and doesn't have fins. There's no fish in the world that has that has scales, and if it has scales, it has to have fins. So these are all things that only the creator of the world can know. Eshat Torah has all kinds of shi'om on proofs of God. I'm not into, I'm, I agree with Eshat Torah, it's very good for people who don't believe. But, but if you have to prove God, then there's a disconnection. In in other words, yes, that's very good, that's important for the person who doesn't believe, so you gotta prove it to me. But a, but a person has to feel a, a connection to Hashem. You gotta know it from, from inside. And that is, that is what's going on over here. That HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants you to put the, the ois, the sign, that you're a Jew, inside. Not outside. In you. In your blood. That's where it has to be. Not showing everybody outside, look at me, I'm the big tzaddik. Look how much money I give for tzedakah. That's, that's not what HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that's not what Hashem wants. Hashem wants a person who inside, the ois, that he's a Jew, is inside. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, I will go inside, I'm not looking for what's outside your door. I'm not looking for the big mezuzah on the door and the pictures and the paintings of all the rabbis on your wall. And then you go upstairs to the guy's room and he's got a 52-inch screen television with 1,600 DVDs piled up. And his internet going and all kinds of magazines next to his bed. Because I'm not interested in, in your outside appearance when you go nicely to shul and you look like a big tzaddik in your white shirt and your tie and your black hat. That's not what I'm looking for, what you put outside the door. I'm looking. I want to know what's going on inside the door. So Koshmarcho said, "I want to know if you're keeping korban pesach inside the door. Don't put no blood on the outside of the door. Put the blood on the inside of the door. Why? Because on the inside of the door you're looking at it. You're looking at it. this. Is my own little translation. And if you're looking at your mitzvah, then Koshmarcho automatically sees it. So Koshmarcho said, if the Jew did the korban pesach and he's looking at himself inside and he knows that he's doing the right thing." That's what a Baruch wants to see. He doesn't want to see the outside stuff. Now, there is an amazing story that I learned my father, Oliver Shalom, when I was 15 years old. And this story, every year I learn it, and it's, a, it's, I have to tell you up front that you have to be careful how you take this story. Because every kid, if you ask any non-Jew or any Jew, give me an example of something that's not kosher. The first thing they'll tell you is a pig. Pig, pork, chazer, there's so many people, Nebuch, that I meet, that eat oysters, lobsters, shrimp, cheeseburgers. They tell me, Rabbi, one thing you got to know about me. and I met them in business. One thing you got to know about me: I don't eat pork. <laughs> You're laughing in, in the in the in the in the Reform in the outside of New York, and where people really don't know, they'll they'll eat meat in a Burger King, which is not shechted, which is treif, nevela, whatever it is, but they won't eat pork. They will not eat pork. They will, they will not put pork in their dishes. They will not eat uh, whatever they eat with the eggs in the morning, whatever that's called. You're not supposed to know that. Just testing. (laughs) Just testing, just testing. You're not, you know, so they won't eat bacon and eggs and they won't eat this stuff. And, 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 and they have this thing. So where does this whole thing come? This crazy thing that Jews and Chazar, right? They're like, oh, there's no difference whether you eat pork, Right? Or you eat anything? Anything else that's not kosher? You eat shrimp? Or you eat lobster? Or you eat anything else? There's no difference. But it, but to us, po pork? Ugh, ugh, forget it. Why? There's a reason. Why? Because pork is very tricky. Because and this is what we were talking about. Never what happened for a night? you say the parties that went on for a night? Hashem should be Should forgive us in in Queens and in Brooklyn on Avenue. Why? Somebody told me today what was going on there in the name of Purim, you know, these parties, these Purim parties on Facebook and Shmei's and on my face and your face all those other things where people went. And, and, and by the way, there was an article today on Facebook, on CNN, and just to prove to me that, because like one guy said to me, I do all my good work on Facebook. So what do you mean? He says, I meet kids and I bring them close to Hashem. I'm like, Don't, you're talking to the one guy. I, I don't believe that, and and today, um, you can look it up in your news, CNN had a news thing that some kid who's very brilliant, so in in, 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 in Facebook, supposedly it's private, and, you, and, and only the people you want to see what you're doing, right, you let see what you're doing, well, this guy went, and he went in, and he downloaded all the pictures of everybody, he was able to bypass the security on everybody's thing, and for one hour... Right. He, told, he told them, I'll show you what, that your security is no good. He told them about it, and for one hour he was able to go into any person's, the guy who wrote Facebook, the guy who owns Facebook, to any person's private pictures and all the, anything that he want, and he was able to break all the security. And, and, and then they started describing on CNN the security that he broke into parties and pornography pictures that, that Meshugol, the people on Facebook who Jewish kids think is, uh, is kosher, right? The pornography that people are putting pictures of themselves, right? That only their friends can see. I'm like, oh, it's a deacon, you know? <laughs> only my friends can see me not dressed. That's, Joy, it's it's right. a I think, you know, uh, so we should give you an award. We should have a convention. It's a deacon that, you know, only let their friends see what they're doing. And drug paraphernalia and all this stuff. And this kid was able to break in and show that Facebook that you're not secure at all. So it took them an hour and they went down and then they went up and then that. And he said, "I can do whatever you do. I can get around it. It's a dicker place, and it's no good. And I don't care what they tell me that you know that there's always. Person has to know that there is always good in the bad. That's how you get the fish. If you take a hook. I'm a big fisherman all my life. If you go fishing, there's only one stupid fish, right, that you don't have to put bait on. I used to catch sunnies in the lakes with a shiny hook, and the hook would flash, and a stupid fish, sunnies, never. And I would catch them without, I didn't have bait, I was in camp, right, couldn't always get bait, so I went to the lake and I caught them. But normal fish, like pickerel and trout, and normal fish, you got to have a good fly or a good worm, and you got to make it shake, and you got to make it dance, and you got to get the fish to go for it. And the fish says, yummy, this is lunch. But well, he doesn't know that in the worm is this big fat hook. And anyone here is a fisherman. To take that hook out of the fish's mouth, you rip half his mouth. And if it went through his eye, you pretty much rip half his head off. Because it has a barb on the bottom of the hook. And the barb makes sure that once the fish bites it, it, it can't get it out. Well, let me tell you something, guys. That's Facebook. <laughs> no, no, I'm not I'm not, not. Not just Facebook. That's any Avira. That's Purim party mixed. That's all this stuff is a worm. It's a worm. And the Eitzahara knows that a good Jewish boy, right, he's not going to go to a Christmas party, but he's go to a porn party, they advertise a porn party. How should I? Well, why would I think it's bad? Once he's there, he takes a bite of where he's at. And the book to get the hook out of his face, out of his mouth, you got to rip half his head in the Shema out to do tshuva. So, so there's always good in the bad. That's the Eitzahara. There's always good in the bad. The mouse trap only catches the mouth if it has cheese. If you take a mousetrap and put it out and load it with nothing, you're not getting any mice. You put a piece of cheese in there, you're getting a lot of mice. So the horror boys works the same way. Whenever he wants to get somebody, there's good in it. So the internet has a dafi. The chazer, the pig, if you ever saw how he sits, right? he sits with his two forelegs out. That's how a chazer sits, like this. And he shows everybody... Look at me, kosher, because the chewing the cud you don't see. You can't see if an animal, you'd have to, you know, you'd have to do an endoscopy in his his stomach to see it. You can't tell if an animal, you're gonna sit there all day, watch him chew, or when did he chew, right? But what you could see, that everybody can see is his hoofs. So the chazir, when he sits, he puts his hoofs out like this. Look, I am kosher. And that's why, inside every Jew, and in the Torah, there is such a hatred for the chazir, because he's trying to fool us. He's showing us his kosher simon, his kosher sign, and his unkosher sign. He's keeping hidden from us. And, and I'm talking about this for so many, so long, and I got emails this week. I can't read it to you because the people who sent to me said, "Please don't use me as, as an example in your shear." Right? So, so I don't want to use anybody as an example in my shear. But I got a two-page letter from a woman who is brokenhearted. Because she has a great marriage and great kids. She ended up talking to a guy and ended up falling in love with this guy. And this is a religious firm woman and she doesn't know how to get out of it. She doesn't know how to get out of it. And it and it all started with talking about very kosher things. No, no nothing bad. Very kosher. couple of situations. And it just grew and it grew because, because the mousetrap always has cheese. And it always starts. That's how it starts. It starts that way. And therefore... A person has to be very scared of the Khazir. Now, I'm going to tell you two stories. And I have to be very clear before I tell you these stories. Because what the stories are telling us is that people who show off that they're religious and how holy they are and how righteous they are, they're hiding something. Now. That doesn't mean that you're going to go to shul. This is what happened last time I told the story. guy went to shul and he sees a guy diving in the corner and shaking away a half an hour extra than everyone else. Ah! But Wallace said, he's a chazir. He's, <laughs> he's showing everybody that he's religious because he's hiding something. But I want to read you two stories, two amazing, since I'm a kid, these stories are, to me are absolutely amazing and I learned a lot from it. And I've seen how true they are. And... Listen to this story. And he brings down the story in Pasha Shemini, the lawyers, if you want to see it, on the Chazir, talking about the Chazir. And he says the following. There was a, a, a good Jew. He was very wealthy. He wanted to go to Israel. He sold everything. He had his money, and now he's on his way to Israel. In the middle of the way, he came to a city. He met a guy in shul, and his name was Rabbi Alexander. Most of the time, this Rabbi Alexander looked like a big tzaddik was sitting in shul. He was in his talis, and his So. He comes into shul and he sees that this one guy in shul the whole day he's wearing his talus his tefillin and he's davening. So this guy who was going to Israel said in his heart He says let me leave all my money with this righteous Jew Rav Alexander and I'm leaving all the money I'm going to leave the town Prepare everything I need to get to Eretz Yisroh. And who, where do you go to look for an honest Jew? Right? You go to look in shul. So there's a guy in shul at 12, 1 o'clock in the afternoon. He's sitting and learning and davening. That's the guy you give you trust, right? Okay? So he trusted him. So he goes over to him. And he gives him... He waits in shul. I'm sorry, until he finishes davening. And when he finishes davening, he goes over to him and he says, R'etz ha'ni it's Eretz throw. I want to go to Eretz Yisrael. I need Nimtza Beretz Zora. am in a strange land. I need I don't know anybody. I'm back from I want to ask you a favor. I have a lot of money. I don't want to carry it with me. I'm going to be on the way now, preparing my stuff, and some robbers are going to come and steal it from me. So, could I give this all for you to hold till I return? Alexander, Rabbi, Rabbi Alexander, this big tzaddik, turns to this man, you spoke very well. Don't worry, leave all your money in my hands. I'll keep it next to my property. You have nothing to worry about. He's a tzaddik, what are you worried about? He's going to keep it in his talus back. And a very firm guy with Hashem's help. When you come back I'll return you all your money beautiful came uh-huh. so he was very happy guy talks nice and firm Alexander he gave him all his money and he went on his way he got to Israel he bought a house he said to his wife okay you stay here I'm going back to to this Rabbi Alexander I'm going to get back my money. We got our house. We're ready. We're ready to start. So he comes back to this city. Again, he's sitting, he sees the guy sitting in Shul davening. He waits until he's finished. And he goes over to him. He says, My friend, right? This guy from Israel. He says, My friend, Could you give me back what I gave you to watch? Rabbi Alexander turns to this Jew. And he says, I don't know who you are. I never saw your face. Who are you? You're a stranger. What property? What would you give me? What money? What are you talking about? When this chassid heard this, he began he began to sweat and he began to shake. Great shake. He lost all his money. And he fell to the ground. He laid down in front of this man and he said. You have all my money. You have all, everything I own. You can't do this to me. Hitchel, Oyser, Rabbi Alexander, so this Rabbi Alexander began to embarrass him. And he said, what are you making up stories? I'm a great child. If you're making up stories, I have your money. I don't have your money. I never saw you before. I don't even know who you are. She came, I never saw you. I didn't take anything from you. When this chassid saw Matzavoy, his situation, hurrah, this bad situation. So this Alexander went home, and this chassid, this tzaddik who gave away all his money, ran to Shul. And he began to scream in front of Hashem. And he said, Rabbi God! You are the master of the whole world. And I put my whole belief in you when I saw this Jew he's covered and wrapped in a whole for and he's davening. I believed A good Jew I gave him all my money now I seeko all this show that he put on is here to fool people to trust him that they give him this money and then he tells him he doesn't know them. He says, like, please help me that I get back my money and, 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 and do miracles and, and revenge against this man. In order that you should show everybody else, Hashem, your strength. Okay? While he was crying, I mean, the man lost everything. He lost everything. He thought he gave it to a Jew, a good Jew. He lost everything. So while he's crying on the on the floor of the shul, Haifia Elio Leonovi came. For Amaloy, said, Don't worry. Lech Achshav, Alexander. Go to the house of Rabbi Alexander to his wife. For Amaloi, Simenzu, and just tell her what I'm about to tell you. <speaking> Shebe <Spanish> Pesach that you know that last Pesach, Achlu <speaking Yahat> Shneim That the two of them, Rav Alexander and his wife, were eating Chometz. <Jade> And also tell her, that you know that on Yom Kippur, that you know that they ate, on Yom Kippur, they ate before they went to shul. Go tell her, that, listen to this, this is unbelievable. Go to, he's not home right now. He's not home. He's out shopping. Go tell her that her husband told you to give him back his money. And she's going to say, Who are you? What money? He's going to say, I'll give you a proof that your husband really told to me. I'll tell you something that no one but your husband knows. Two things. One, that you ate on Yom Kippur before you went to shul. And two, that you ate chometz on Pesach. And she knew that no one else knew that. So she got fooled. And she gave him back all his money. This is what it says. He waited until Rebel Alexander left his house. He came to his house. He gave the simanim. He, not the line, she right away thought her husband. This was the code. And her, he gave him back all his property. And this man walked away and he was very happy. But when Alexander came back, when she said, you know, by the way, I gave that guy the stuff you told him to give. So what are you talking about? What would you give him? I gave him the stuff you told him. You know, you told him we ate on your Kippur. You told him we ate Chamez. When he heard that, right, he became very, very nervous. And he, this he, everyone's going to know about this. And they're not going to give us anything to eat. We're not going to be able to eat over here. So Ho and and shmadu, and they 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 left and they became they became goyim, whatever they were they were shmad. He says. From this story, we learn. When a man is showing off in front of everyone, what a big tzaddik he is. He might be doing this to fool you because a real tzaddik doesn't show off what he does when he fasts. No one knows that he fast. When he gives tzedakah, nobody knows that he gives tzedakah. When he does mitzvahs, he does it secretly. That's a real tzaddik So this story as a kid, hey, it's a cool story. You a know, Navi, with the code, with the tricks. is a much bigger story. It's a much bigger story. And I have learned from this story in life a very important lesson. And this is an amazing story. And the story is as follows. I don't have to read this inside. I know this backwards and forwards. And the story was like this. There was a very wealthy man and he had one child, one son. And when he was about to die his son said to his father, dad, before you leave the world, could you give me a word of advice? You're a very smart man. Give me a word of advice. So this is what his father told him. "Da, you're going to you're going to you're going to make a lot of mo- you're going to you're going to inherit a lot of money," he told his son. He said, "I want to leave you with one lesson." Hazer what does that mean? people who are very flamboyant, a lot of colors they 're showing off. be careful, stay away from show offs why he said they show on the outside how how holy they are, right, but they have a lot of taiva that they that they go after, and really they are they are, they are doing ourva. beware of people. Who are way over to one side. That's what he, that was his advice. Okay. His son thought, that's my advice before my father dies. That's not like the most brilliant. Beware of people that are all the way over to one side. I mean, hello, that's not, you know, what's the big deal? Fine. Anyway, it's a wild story. Anyway, so a few days, a few years pass after his father dies, and he ends up marrying a, a, an orphan, a girl who's an orphan, very, very poor. But she was very, very beautiful. She was very poor, but very beautiful. He was very rich. And she looked like she was the most modest girl in the world. She was a very big tznuah. Okay? So, one day, he tells his wife, this girl, he says, let's go, you know, we're always home, let's go shopping in the shuk, in the marketplace. I want to go out with you. Let's go out, you know, dress up nice and sneers, and we're going to go out and buy Things in the marketplace. So his wife answered him, "I will not walk out of the house." He said, "Why won't you walk out of the house?" Maybe some man is going to see me. The yachshike be is going to fall in love with me. He's al is going to do a sin because of me. And therefore, I don't want to see any other people. I don't want to see any men because I might think about that. She's such a tznua. She won't even go shopping with him because she's scared that a man's going to look at her and he's going to do an averu or she's going to be... He said, my father told me to watch out for this. This is is not normal that a woman doesn't leave the house ever because she's scared that some guy's going to look at her. Something's wrong here. Okay, but you know what? Maybe my wife really is such a tznuah. She's such a Tzadikist. I could be. So I'm going to test her. So this is what he did. He said, I'll test her. So one day he told his wife, I have business in a faraway town. And I want to go there. It's a few day trip. Could you, could you prepare for me food for three days? It's going to take me a day and a half to get there. It's going to take me a day and a half to get back. At least three days prepare me food she prepared him food and whatever he needed she packed him up and he locked all the doors with two keys one key he took with him he took on his own she didn't know he had another key she didn't know he had a key and she, he gave her a key and she thought that he that she now had the key he didn't tell her they had a second key. She thought she had the only key. Okay. She told him how much she loves him, how much she's going to miss him, and she hopes to see him really soon. But no the doctor, he left. She, th- she thought he's gone for the next three days. The, the, the husband left, and he went a half a mile. He, went, he left the house a half a mile, and then he told the driver, turn around, let's go back. also that's what he did. When he came back to the city, so he hid outside his house till it got dark at night. Okay. Once it was dark, he went to his house. He had the other key. He opened the doors. On The first gate. Room after room, till he came to his bedroom. And he found his wife in bed with an idol worshiper. Now, this was the same woman who said, I can't go to the marketplace because someone might see me. When all of a sudden she saw her husband walk into the bedroom and caught her, to the idol worshipper, she told the idol worshipper, "Sholof Charbuka, fast. Take out your sword." She told the non-Jew, "Take out your sword. The cause why shall and cut off the head of my husband?" Because she realized if it, if it gets out that she did this, she's done. Right? When the when the husband saw, now this was the woman who not going to the marketplace because someone might look at her. You understand? And made him to eat and said, "I love you and have a good day." When when. I see some guys are like, oh my god, I wanted to go to this place. My wife, she said, no, I'm all worried. No, no, chas v'shalom. Chas v'shalom. I just, I, that's, I don't want you to get that from the story because that, he tested her. This is what happened. He had this feeling. Doesn't, there are very from ladies who are very from for real. But she was, she was overdoing it. From people for real. They don't, they're not, they don't talk about what they do. People who do good things. You should know the real good people. I know a lot of, I'm connected to a lot of people who do good things. Nobody knows about it. The real good people who do it from behind the scenes, nobody knows about it. There's a famous, famous story about the miser. He talks about it. Uh, um, yes, the singer, what's his name, Kalbach. Kalba. It's not really. It's not. It's not the miser. It's, and this is a true story. There was a town where there was a miser. Where there was a guy who Mamish never gave Tzedakah, and and they hated him, and and the whole place hated him, and the rabbi, everybody hated him, because he was very wealthy and he wouldn't help any Jews. And there was this huge factory in that town. It's a famous story in Europe. The huge factory in that town. And the whole Parnassa, like the, they built this new Toyota, Honda, whatever factory out in, 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 South Carolina or somewhere to help the town that worked it. And the whole town works in that factory. And they never knew who owned the factory. They knew it was a factory. And they all went to work and they all got their Parnassa there. And when he died, when the miser died, they didn't even get a minion together. They just got a minion together. The rabbi didn't speak. Nobody spoke. They took him. They threw him into a grave outside the graveyard. Outside the graveyard. Because No, he was a very... Never helped the Jews of the town. And all of a sudden, the factory, at the end of the week, no one got paid. Supplies were not being bought. Nothing was happening. And the factory closed. And everybody lost their job. And they started to investigate. And they found out that the miser... Didn't want to give charity that people should feel low that they're getting charity. So he built the factory. And the, all the people in the town, all their jobs, their whole partner was coming from him. When he died, the factory closed. That's a tzaddik. Everyone's spitting at him. Everyone's screaming at him. But he didn't tell anybody that he was helping them. Meanwhile, he was supporting the whole town. And the best way it says to give tzaddaka is not to give someone charity. Because he feels low. It's to get him a job. It's to give him a job. He's working, he's making money. It doesn't feel like I'm i i, I, I I'm a schlepper. So this was this guy. was a famous, famous story. He was buried outside and they made a the whole thing. They took the miser. they brought him next to the tzaddik. It was a whole story about him. But they didn't know till he died that he was giving one penny and he was doing the biggest tzedakah because he, he was running a factory for these people. So a person who's really righteous doesn't need to shake in front of you and show you how firm he is. Just the opposite. So now this guy's on the run. The husband's on the run. You've got a, an idol worshiper running after you. For all those who don't know why I'm using the word idol worshiper, stay tuned to last week's share. Ask the guys after the share. But that's the word we're using. And and here he is. Now he's on the run. You have to hear the story. It's a crazy story. That's so why I'm spending so much time. So here he's on the run. He's running away from this guy with the, with the sword, right? No, that light, that night he's running and he's running and he's running and he runs miles and miles and miles and miles and he comes to this town and he has nowhere to sleep. So he sleeps on the bench. On the bench in the park. His mazel, this poor guy, he's running away. His wife's got the house, right? He's got no money on him. Just for three days, he's got food. And now he's in a strange town, sleeping on a, on a park bench. His mazel, that night, that night of all night, the, the king's treasury was robbed. And they're looking to find a scapegoat of who robbed the treasury. No, there's a stranger in town. He's sleeping on a bench. What are you doing here? Must be, you're part of the gang that stole from the treasury. So, this is what they do. It's, it's an amazing story. So, they 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 arrest him. And they bring him to the king. No. They go to look. They find this guy. And they, and they bring him to the king. And they say, this is the Ganav. For sure. Everyone else we recognize would never steal anything in the city. We know them. This is the Ganav. We found them in the Rehov. Okay. So they decided they're going to hang him. Steal from the king, you're going to get hung. Neville's this poor guy, he just wanted to test his wife. He's now going to be strung up and hung, right? So they take him out and now they put him on a wagon and they're taking him out into the square of the town to hang him. And the go- the, the head idol worshiper, um, who was very close to the king, right? So... They're, they're going towards, to hang them in the middle of the city. And they came to the garbage dump. They're going past the garbage truck, And it had rained. Anyone who knows lives a little bit outside New York City, because even they don't live in New York City, but if you live outside, like I lived in Muncie, whenever it rains, so there's holes in the ground and there's holes in the pavement. And it makes the worms, right? They would drown if they stay in. So the, the, the pavement, after rain, like in my block in Muncie, you had a million worms. It great for fishing. You had a million, million worms. Really, they come out because there are holes in the ground get full of water, and they drown, so they come out, so they should drown, so they're all over the pavement, because on the pavement, there's no holes, so they can live on the pavement, so the, the, the Galach, the head idol worshiper, says to the king, let's not go down this road, because this road is full of worms, and if all the king's soldiers, and the wagons, are going to go down the road, we're going to kill all these poor worms, so the king says, okay, uh, let's go around this road. Now this guy's thinking to himself, hold on, this head idol worshiper was the one that said they should hang me, because anyone that does such a thing to the king should hang. Now he wasn't worried about me and I'm a human, right? He didn't let me talk, he didn't let me defend myself, he's worried about worms? And me he wasn't worried about? Something's wrong, this is what my father said. What man is worried about running over worms when you're going to hang an innocent man? So this guy turned to the king and he said to the king, okay, I'm going to tell you where the money is and I'm going to tell you how I stole it. But I want to talk to you by myself. So now the king wanted to hang him, but he also wanted his money back. So he told everyone to go away and he said, okay, I want to know how you stole it and I want to know where it is and he turned around to the king and he said I want to tell you my story and he told the king the story of what his father told him and he told the king the story of his wife and the, and the, the guy that tried to kill him and how he went to sleep on the bench and he told the king the whole story and he says listen to me king the guy that stole it was the, was the priest was the, was the gal was the, was the head idol worshipper he's the one who stole it and it's in his house the jewels are in his house he said what are you talking about he says do me a favor Send some of your soldiers to his house, search his house, and you will find that the money is in his house. And if it's not in his house, you can hang me. The king wanted to get his money back, so he sent the soldiers to the guy's house. Of course, they found it, and they hung the head idol worshiper. And the king said, how did you know? He says, I told you, my father said, Guy's worried about worms? That's too much to one side. Person's worried about running over worms when they're going to hang a person. I knew right away that he was defending something. He didn't want to go down this road because his house is on that road. And he didn't want the king to go past his house. Maybe, the, you know, you're going to stop and, and something, you're going to find something. So he was trying to cover up for the whole thing. And therefore, I knew right away that he was the one that did it. And the king said, you are a very smart Jew. And therefore, I want you to be my second, my right hand. And he sent, this is the story he says, and he sent to... Get the woman and the and the non Jewish guy and the army went and they hung them both. That's what it says. And they brought this man back, b'shalom. Mikalze Anulam, from this we learn. Shemi, Shemara yehura that any person who's showing everyone how holy and how special they are. You should suspect him. He ain't who writes the Ela. Hashem doesn't want this. Ela Shadam Yikayem HaMitzvus BeBeisai. God wants you to keep your mitzvus BeBeisai Pnimah in the inside of your house. Ish Lo Yerai Say Nobody else has to see it. Ukas Yavoi Ben Abrius When you go amongst people, Al Yegala Don't show everyone who you are. El El Kamoesem Just act normal. He said. B'Chad V'Am Shamanu Shaychem Rak BeInyan Shalchasidis. All this is talking about doing extra above the din. But if you hear that there's a club or there's a place in Queens where they're having a Purim party and boys and girls are dancing together in a base medrash in front of a sefer. Forget about worrying about anything. If you're eating a meal and you think that there might be bugs in the food, don't be embarrassed to say I can't eat this because I don't know how kosher this is. Go after it. Scream and and stop it. He says, we're not talking about things like that. We're talking about things that are above and extra that you took on yourself. That's why a fast that a person takes on himself, you tell someone else you're fasting, the fast is worthless. I'm not talking about the fast that we all fast, but if a person takes a private fast, halom, or he wants to, whatever for whatever reason, for whatever religious region, you tell somebody, guess what I'm doing today? I'm fasting. The fast is gone. It's over. doesn't mean anything. What you do between you and Hashem is your business. If you're showing it to other people, then you're just doing it to show off. You're doing it for the wrong reasons. And anybody, and, and you know, I don't have to tell you, okay, I'm not a politician, but I don't have to tell you but there's a politician, right, that um, we know about. He was a big man in New York State, and he was a crazy guy. Everybody said about him that he's such a, uh, a straight An honest and moral guy. He was on Wall Street. He was prosecuting all the cheaters. He was prosecuting the Zionists. Yeah, yeah. That's what he was doing. He was busy prosecuting the people that he sinned with. Ten years ago, he was the biggest prosecutor against him. And and that's why everyone was in shock. A regular guy, a politician, okay. But this was the guy that was showing off to the whole world how holy he was and how different he was. And that's the guy you gotta worry about. Why are you showing that off? If you're holy and you're different, then do it privately. Why are you showing everyone how good you are? That is the khazir. And that is the most dangerous person. The khazir says, look at me, everybody, look at me. Look how special, look how kosher I am. That's the most dangerous, that's the most dangerous animal of all the animals. That's the most dangerous person of all the people. If you know a guy's a russia, he's a russia, you stay away from him. But if he comes and he looks like a tzaddik, right? You have to be careful. So that doesn't mean that every guy. That's why You have to be careful. It Doesn't mean every guy you see in shul shaking away and davening. Oh, what are you hiding? <laughs> that's that's not what it means. That's not what it means. But if someone flaunts it, someone flaunts it, flaunts his Yiddishkeit, then you have to be you have to be wary. This is a very important. My Lawyer's this Am Lawyer's has saved me many times. To be very aware of many of these mukubalim, especially the Bukharian boys that are here. Okay, no, no, I'm, 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 I'm being very straight with you. You know, the, the, the Bukharian community is into fast answers, and they want, they go to Mukubalim, who are from the dark side, totally, many of them, and they have powers, the dark side has powers, and they have beards, and they light candles, and they have pictures of great rabbis, and they have Tehillims. And they're putting out their split hooves to the Bukharian community. And Nebuchadnezzar, these people fall in. These guys are not even religious. They're with girls. They're doing every not, Again, not every Mekubel. But you got to find out who's this guy's Rebbe. Who taught you Kabbalah? Do, does he know Taira Kula? Does he know Shas? Does he give Shurim in Torah on, on uh, in Shas? Or he just sits there and takes money, right? And reads your palm, reads your forehead, reads your paper, and they have that strength. Be careful of the Chazir. Be careful of the one that puts out his hose. The real m'kubbalim don't even advertise that they're m'kubbalim. They don't want you to bother them. The real, the biggest of the big, they didn't, nobody even knows about them. There's one in Israel that I know about. Nobody even goes to him. You know why? Because he doesn't want anyone to go to him. He's very close to Akash Baruch Hu. He's an angel. He doesn't want anybody. Stay away from me. doesn't want. Once it becomes a business, you've got to start thinking, Kabbalah is a business? You're taking money for, that you that you, that that you learn Torah, Kabbalah, as a business, what's going on over here? Again, not every Makubbal is no good, but you have to check, you can't be a fool. You can't be a fool. You could go to a Spanish lady, a tarot reader, and a palm reader, and they have the same chokhmah. They don't have a long beard, they don't go to the mikvah, they're not Kardashians, they don't say Tehillim. So how do they know? You walk in, they read your palm, they'll tell you your whole past life. Where's your Kedusha? And the answer is, it's a science to read a palm, it's not Kedusha. There are there are there are what's it called the gypsies? Their whole lives made made their, their money through reading palms, and they can read palms better than any McCubal. Yeah, yeah, they know the palms inside out. They wrote books on it. So, so so I don't know that not only that community now everybody because we don't want to work. We want the fast fix. I go in, give the guy twenty dollars, do this, do that. You know, light this candle, light that candle stand on one foot. <laughs> and, 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 and 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 yeah, the girls in my shit, they go and like, Rabbi, it's amazing, and this and that. It's not amazing if it's coming from Tzara Tumo, then you're connecting the Tzara Tumo. It's a Khazar. You're dealing with a Chazer So you have to check who's his Rebbe And then when he gives you the name of the Rebbe make sure that Rebbe's alive, and find out, and find out if that's really his Rebbe, and call that Rebbe and say, Do you have a Talmud, Rabbi? Blah, 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 blah. Does he does, does he exist? And when he never heard of such a Talmud, or if he says my Rebbe died. He's not alive anymore. Okay, then find out his Chavrusas. The people that when he learned Kabbalah, who were in yeshiva with him. And call his Chavrusas. He didn't learn by himself. So who's your Chavrusa? What's going on over here? Who's your Rav? Who's your Das Tira? My Das Tira is uh, Rabbi Moshe Feinstein, one guy told me. Rabbi Moshe Feinstein dead 12, 15 years. <laughs> I know, but I still talk to him. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> really? And when she finally talks to you, of all the people in this world, they picked you to talk to. I told you the story with me and that lady. I went to the, the lady in Manhattan. She's a big, she's a big healer, right? One of her students who came to me, and I didn't feel well. I figured i went go up with Raphshani and somebody else. I said, let's go meet her. She's a big healer. And before I walked in, and Rav Shani wasn't with me at the time, before I walked in, I said to Hashem, listen, how do I know she's not from the Tzad Tuma?" She's not from the dark side, right? So I got an answer. Ask her who a Rebbe is. And you'll know already if she's from the dark side. I went in. So I said to her, who's your Das Taira? Like when people come to you, you know, even in healing, you, who do you ask? I don't have to ask anybody. So I was like, whoa. Hmm. Well, I have to ask. She, I have a Rebbe. She doesn't have to ask anyone. Okay. I said, well, um, when you have questions, when you know, you're know you doing some very deep stuff here, she's doing um, sort of... Um, on your hand, she would, you know, she would ask your body. Uh, uh, are you allergic to chocolate, and and your hand wouldn't move. Are you allergic to wheat, and if, if it was yes, your hand would all of a sudden like have no power. That's so your 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 body was sort of answering her questions. It was like very, it's 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 very tum-a-dick. It's from the other side, and and I didn't know that. So, so I said to her, so so like where do you get your like heavy knowledge from? She goes, I talk to the Rambam. So I told Shani, she talks to the Rambam. He said, get out. Run for your life. I had to go to the mikveh. I had to do all kinds of tikkunim. No, no. she was, I had to do all kinds of tikkunim, whatever it was, because she told me she doesn't have to talk to anyone. She talks to the Rambam. The Rambam talks to a lady in Manhattan? <laughs> <laughs> Hello? Anyone in this room believe that the Rambam from Ganeden comes down to talk to this lady? I don't think so. Right? Stay away from these people. And the Tomadik the aside will tell you. And if you hear that, Run it's for your life. They'll tell you Hashem talks directly to me. Whoa. Hashem doesn't talk directly to anybody. He spoke pale pet to one person, to Moshe Rabbeinu. And that's their answer. You go in there and you say, Who's your rabbi? I don't need a rabbi. I'm connected to God. I get all my answers from him. He talks to me. Run for your life. If you ask Rav Chaim Kayanevsky a question and you say, How do you know that he will not tell you Hashem talks directly to me? Okay? <laughs> Yeah. So, you got to be very careful because today it's like the hottest item. And guys get freaked out that these guys are able to read your palm and tell you what you did when you were 12 and when you do 14. Hey, if that freaks you out, I'm telling you, go to a Puerto Rican Spanish lady, right, who has a tarot shop on her roof. You're not allowed to go there because she's really telling me. And put your hand out, and she will tell you more than that guy could ever tell you because they know how to read. So, we have to know that what's the chazir and what's the kosher and you have to be very careful when you go to someone and you open up your soul and you're looking for help because the, the dark side we learned about Shadim the Shindalids once they help you you belong to them so if you're going to one of those for help and they're on the dark side you're done you're, you're hooked you're, you're in big trouble so you gotta make sure that you go to Tzadikim no they're not gonna read your palm right and they're not gonna go give you the Hiji Biji and all that stuff and, and, and the same thing, you know that my Rebbe will never say no to a Shidduch. You know, when you give names in, right? Rebbe Gamliel will never say no. Even if the names and the numbers are totally, it's, it's earth and water, instead of earth, earth and fire, fire and water, and you know, there's numerologically, whatever it is, he will never say out of his mouth, no matter how bad the word, the numbers are, he will never say it's not a Shidduch. He might not say it is a Shidduch, but he will not say it's not a Shidduch, because... Who might say something's not a shidduch? from from there? Hashem wants it to be a shidduch. he'll change something. He'll he took a Ram above the stars so that Aram could have children. You have to be very, very careful. We can ask for a bracha. You understand? You could say, does it look good? But a tzadik will never tell you that this is not a shidduch. Because who are they to tell you such a thing? They could they could tell you this is, this name is better, this name is not so good, but to tell you to break a break a shirk because of names? Uh-uh. So that's Pasha Shmini. Pasha Shemini, when it talks about the kosher and the non-kosher shimonim, a person has to be very careful from things that are advertised as Jewish parties, Jewish single parties, Purim parties, Pesach parties. You know, there are people going Nebuchadnezzar to the islands for Pesach, to islands where they're going to casinos and shows and, 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 but it says Pesach with a Hashgacha. That's the pull. Some of these people would never go during the year to these places. But a Pesach, that's Pesach. It must be kosher. The rabbis, you know, made a, we have to be very careful where we go. So that's that's why there's a, a very much a, a, a fear of the chazir. In all the Jews, this, we're scared of the chazir because the chazir gets us in life more than anyone else. The ones who put out the kosher simonim and behind are really not kosher. That's where we fall. Because when someone comes to you and says, I'm Trey, if you like, get out of here. Get out of here. When someone comes to you and says, let's do an abderit together. You're like, excuse me. You know? When someone comes to you and says, listen, I need to talk to you. I need a little help. Can you talk to me? Can you spend some time? You're like, well, you're a married woman. What are you talking to me for? Talk to your husband. I can't talk to my husband. I can't talk to a therapist. I can't talk to a therapist. Talk to a rabbi. I can't talk to a rabbi. Well, then you can't talk to me. That's that's the fall. and I got such an. I got more than one email this week. Wallace you're right, but it's too late, which is something I want to talk to you guys. And we'll, we'll end on we'll end on this subject. Okay, first of all, Pesach, right? We were in Mitzrayim, and we were sort of in jail, right? We were sort of in jail. Now in America, we think today we're not Avadim. We're not, we're not servants. We're not, we're not, we're not slaves. We're not servants. We're very, we're free. The non-Jews are free. We're free. Everybody's free. It's a free country, right? Everyone says America is a free country. You have to understand what it meant for a Jew to have freedom on Pesach to come out. There are two people in a jail. This is a very interesting marshal. There are two people in a jail. There's a prisoner and there's a jailer. The guy takes care of the jail. The prisoner gets out of jail. Two years, five years, six years, 15 years. The jailer never gets out of jail. The warden, the jailer, whatever it is, the guy who's taking care of the jail who's inside, he never gets out of jail. But he thinks, right, the guy who works in the jail, he thinks he's free. I, the whole time, he lives in the jail and he's with the jail, the guys who are in jail, and he never gets out of jail. But because he's working in jail and he's getting paid for it, so he thinks he's free. And that's the difference between us in and the in We're both in, in America. We're both in a country, right? That's free, so to say. But we're really in jail. We don't have Mashiach. We don't have the Beis Hamengdash. But there will come a day when the prisoner will get out. But the warden, he doesn't get out. He stays in the jail. And we have to understand that we are prisoners in a jail but it's going to come Pesach night, which I'm going to talk about in my other Shurim, it's going to come a time where where real freedom is, freedom, freedom, real freedom is, able to say no. And that's what the Torah teaches us. Real freedom, everyone thinks America is free because everything, is you can do everything. That's not freedom. That's not freedom. To be able to do drugs and to be able to, to smoke and to drink and have all the NAs and AAs and BAs and ZAs and all these A's, that's not freedom. That's not freedom that you could go out and take a drink after you're 21 or that you could smoke. Freedom is when a person can say no. When you come to me and you say, right now, I, I still have my chocolate problem, right? I love chocolate. So what? It, let's look at Robert Wallstein for a minute. Robert Wallstein. there's you know, some guys that don't know me. I love chocolate. I need. I have a wedding with six weeks with my daughter. I got to lose weight or I'm not going to be able to dance, right? I got to lose weight. I got to cut out my chocolate. Right, I got to cut out my chili. It's is it unbelievable. I got to tell you what happened to me today. Today I went to Garden of Eden. Right, that's where I eat breakfast. Hi, he said. If I mention him, I get a free breakfast. So, <laughs> so that's where I eat breakfast every morning. I'm not telling you what time. I went to Garden of Eden. I said, Wallstein, you're starting today. We are dieting. We got to lose 20 pounds in six weeks, and I have to dance by the wedding. That's it. We're starting today. I went to Garden of Eden. I sat down. She said, "You want toast?" No, I don't want toast. I said, I want a salad, right, for breakfast. I want a salad with a piece of fish, blackened fish, no butter, no margarine, nothing, pepper, finished. I sat there, right, and I had this piece of fish at 10 o'clock in the morning on top of the salad. I figured if I eat the salad and the fish, I won't eat anything till supper, right? This is it. I drank four glasses of water with lemon in it. I'm going to burn these calories, man. I'm going to be like, that's it, right? Fine. I finished my meal. Now, two weeks ago, I told the owner, Chaim, Chaim, there's one thing I love that you used to make, you don't make anymore. And this I love since I'm a little kid, chocolate pudding. But the real chocolate pudding, not with the water. You know, they boil it with the, with the milk. Ugh, good, ice cold chocolate p- pudding. So I came into the store and I said, you know, last week I came you guys didn't make it, whatever it is. That's it. I didn't tell them that I'm done, but I'm done. I'm not having chocolate anymore. You can go in tomorrow and ask them if this is true. Finish my salad, finish my fish, Finished my water. I'm very proud of myself. He comes walking out. He goes, we made it for you. <laughs> <laughs> I said, you're kidding me. He goes, no, he says, but there's one problem. I felt bad. I saw you walk in and we made your whole batch, but it's still hot. I'm like, hot chocolate pudding. Oh my God. I said, it's not fear. It's a dream. And now he puts it down at my table. Now here you have a guy who ran into the kitchen, doesn't know that I want to diet. He, he's doing a chesed for me, right? He got to cook to make a whole pot of chocolate pudding just for me, right? And I'm saying to myself, you're gonna have to start the diet tomorrow because <laughs> 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 I think it would be a very big available to hurt the guy. He went into the kitchen. What am I gonna do? Give it back to him, I can't eat it, I'm on a diet, right? I had twenty minutes of, of Gan Eden this morning. I ate that chocolate pudding. <laughs> <laughs> that hot chocolate pudding broke okay. out down the okay I'm not finished you, know, you just have to understand then I'll explain to you why I'm telling you the story okay so now I felt bad of course and I broke the diet so today's diet's over you know, we got to hunt down some good pizza with extra cheese because the diet's over I started with chocolate anyway fuck Hashem, I got very busy I didn't end up that was it that was my so I said to myself oh, I couldn't say no right okay I come home tonight right before the share my daughter hands me a paper bag She says, we don't want to open this. I'm like, why not? Somebody rang the bell and put it at the doorstep and said, give it to your father. Maybe it's a bomb. (laughs) (laughs) We don't want to open this. I'm like, come on. I don't have any enemies, right? Maybe the guy on Facebook doesn't like me. I don't know. But okay. So I'm telling you the honest truth. You can ask Chaim tomorrow. So I opened the bag and he went, came to my house after he left Garden of Eden, and he dropped off a a, a whole cup this high of chocolate pudding. (laughs) (laughs) So it's like, so I'm thinking to myself today, I'm like, you see, you're always screaming about drugs, and you're always screaming about drinking, and you're always screaming about cigarettes, but you're, you're no different than they are. You're no different than they are. You can't say no to chocolate pudding. Imagine if you if you went to PA pudding addicts. You know what I mean? (laughs) I mean, you walk in or CA. You know, hi, chocolate addicts. You know, and you walked in and you said, "Yes, I'm a chocolate addict. I've always been a chocolate addict." (laughs) And give me twelve steps to become, you know, to get out of my chocolate addiction. And you know what? I'm having the same problem. I'm having a big problem. So maybe Hashem did it, you know, with chesed. So I understand. But let me what I want what I want to explain to you is that. That, I think that's the, the meaning of avera guerreras avera. What do I mean by that? That that when when you step into something that you like, that's wrong for you. That chocolate's very bad for at my age. It's not good. You know, it can cause diabetes. I mean, it's not good to have a high sugar count. Whatever, it's not good for me. It's definitely not good for me. And that started when I started eating dark chocolate. When it, when it be, now, when I'm not going to eat it anymore, it's going to be very hard and it's going to be very painful. Now, there's a lot of guys in here that never ate dark chocolate, so you don't have that pain. You don't have that pain, right? I don't have the pain of, of not smoking weed. I don't have the pain of not doing drugs. I don't have the pain of not drinking because I never did it. So the Avera Guerrero's Avera is much deeper than what it sounds like. When, when you step into to an Avera, when you step out and you step into something that's not good for you, what you're causing besides that, that it's not good for you is that when you have to stop it, When you have to stop it, when you have to go to rehab, whatever that rehab is in yourself, when you have to stop doing that, you're going to go through a lot of pain. And that pain could be prevented by not starting in the first place. That's a separate punishment that you're causing, which is a consequence of what you did. And therefore, when I got this fax from this woman that she fell, that she's married and she fell in love, with another married man and she's suffering and she can't eat and she can't drink and she can't think. And she's, she's crazy in love with this guy. If she would have listened in the first place to what I told her, that like you're not allowed to talk to another man. She would have saved all this pain that she's in right now. There would be no pain. Women don't walk around in pain. There's some guy. Oh, it's some guy. What do I have to do with him? What, what? So this, you understand? So I, because I ate chocolate, ate chocolate, ate chocolate. So now I have this withdrawal which is not going to be easy for me. And I'm probably, when I'm going on my diet now, since I eat bread like crazy and I eat sugar like crazy. So when I go on my diet now, I am sure, because it's happened to me last time I went on a diet, that for a week I'm going to be dizzy. And for a week I'm going to have crazy headaches. Because when you stop sugar, and you start carbs, I'm going to have crazy headaches. And my feet are going to be wobbly and I'm not going to feel well. And that's my own fault, guys. It's my own fault. Because four months ago I was on a diet and I got past that week. And I was past the headaches, and I was past the weakness, and I was on a treadmill, and I was losing weight, and I was feeling good. And I consciously stopped the treadmill, and I consciously started eating the bread again, and I consciously started eating the sugar again. So now the consequence is i got to start this all over again, and I'm going to have to be sick for a week. So, says the Mishnah. Who's the smart one? The one who thinks about the consequence. Before you go into this other world, before you go onto the internet, before you start doing things, you're gonna to have to know that you're gonna to have to stop it, and when you stop it, you're gonna miss it. And that missing it is your own pain that you caused your own self. No, don't blame Hashem, don't blame anyone else. You went in there, now you have to stop it, if you have to stop it, you're gonna, you're gonna schwitz, and you're gonna be in a lot of pain, and you're gonna maybe not be able to stop it altogether. And that would be the worst thing. And that's that Ray Ray but on the other hand, there's a thing called mitzvah, is mitzvah. When a person starts doing something good, right? So the reward for that good, the good feeling that he gets from that good, makes it easier to do the next thing. They're always in parallel. They always work on the opposite directions. And therefore, there's a very important holiday coming up. And that's a holiday where the first Pesach, where it all started, was the blood on the inside of the door. Not for everybody to see. you got to look in yourself you got to see what you're doing to yourself. You have to see the consequence of what's going on. you got to look at that door. you got to look at that blood. And if you look at that blood, and it changes you in your blood, it's your blood, and it changes you, HaKash Baruch Hu sees that. And HaKash Baruch Hu will pass over. He will make sure that no nothing bad, the bad malachim will hurt you. He will make sure that nothing hurts you. And guys, it's one second. I think the lesson of Pesach, really the whole lesson of Pesach, is my one moment in time. Because the difference between chametz and matzah, boys, is one second. You have a piece of dough, and 17 minutes and 59 seconds, it's matzah. And 18 minutes and no seconds, it's matzah. But the minute it passes 18 minutes and one second, it's chametz. If you take the word matzah, it's a mem, tzaddik, and a hey. If you take the word chametz, it's a ches, mem, and a tzaddik. So the Mem and the Tzadik are in b- both words, in Matzah and Chometz. What are the different letters? The He from Matzah and the, ch- the Ches from Chometz. Those are the two different letters. And the, if you take those words and put them together, right? So they both have a Mem, Chometz and Matzah. Right? They both have a Tzadik, Chometz and Matzah. But one has a He, Matzah has a He, Chometz has a Ches. What's the difference between the letter He and the letter Ches? teeny little bit. A ches is like this, and a hay is like this, with this little bit difference. The difference between chameitz, which is a ches, and, and matzah, which is a hay, is a teeny drop, is a moment in time. I want to tell you guys, in this room, we all go through stuff, and there's that moment in time, that moment in time, where nebuchadnezzar, Many of us, many of Klay who are matzah, become chametz. And it's a second. It's a decision. It's, I'm not going and getting the phone call. Come on. You're one of us. Okay, I'll go. It's, I'm eating salad with fish and four glasses of water, and I'm losing 20 pounds. Hi, you want some hot chocolate pudding? If I would not have had that chocolate pudding this morning, let me tell you something. I had an hour after breakfast before I had to go to a Levaya. I was sitting on my bed at home. right? I had my safe and I said to myself, go upstairs to the treadmill. You got a wedding. You don't have a heart attack. Go upstairs. Do an hour on the treadmill. Now's a good time. You never have an hour. You have an hour. Get on the treadmill. Put it on slow. And I said to myself, are you crazy? We're to go to treadmill? I had pudding today. <laughs> I'm out of my mind. What am I going to do on the treadmill for? I'm stupid. And I didn't go on the treadmill. So the pudding, that little pudding in the morning, by not saying no, affected going on the treadmill. And if I would have gone on the treadmill today, I'd be on the treadmill tomorrow. And now to get on, on, back onto that treadmill and get back on that diet is a whole hard thing. It sounds like a stupid story, pudding, treadmill. It's a very clean, honest, true story. I'm telling you this because each guy in this room can take that story and think about cigarettes, drinking, girls, drugs, and the same story as the pudding on how many times I said I'm going to stop, and how many times that was it, and how many times I was starting new, and they put that stupid pudding right in front of me, and killed all my whole decision, because I couldn't say no. Freedom is no. Rabbi Wallerstein was free of his chocolate problem. They would have put that pudding down, and I would have said, thank you, I love you for doing this. Give it to the guy on the next table. I don't need it. I'm a slave to my chocolate. Many of us are slaves to our Satan, to our yetsahara. If you cannot throw away your internet or throw away your DVDs, if you cannot throw them away, you're not free. You're a slave. You're a slave to that screen or that screen or that screen. (laughs) You're a a slave to the magazines you read. You're a slave to the music that you read. If you can't say no... Then you're not allowed to have it. I tell you that a hundred times. If you can't say no, you're not allowed to have it, or you're a slave to that bottle. You're a slave to that alcohol. You're not free. You're not a free person. Guys tell me, I said, why do you drink? Rebbe, you don't understand. When you drink, you're free. (laughs) When you drink, you're a slave. You're a slave. You might as well bow down to that bottle. When you smoke, you're a slave to those cigarettes. When you're busy with girls, you're a slave to the girls. Yeah, you're a slave to your taiva. You're, you're a slave to your Yetzirah. If you could tell, yeshara say, what is he talking about? Freedom means I can go anywhere, I can do anything. Wrong. Freedom is, I'm not going tonight. I'm not going anywhere. When I can say no to something, that means I'm free. The Torah it says, Keyros. It says, don't read it as that the Torah was given etched in that in Saras Adibras, not heirs, heirs. The Torah makes us free, because you know what? The Torah tells us how to say no. The Torah has 613 mitzvahs. And in those 613 mitzvahs, there are many mitzvahs that say, you can't eat this. And you can't eat chazer, And you can't eat fish that don't have fins and scales. And you can't do this. And you can't do that. And you're like, this is the most restrictive Bible. The most restrictive. And and I have this always with the the idol worshippers. That I deal with in business. And they say to me, don't you feel restricted? And I said, no. I can say no to things you can't. That's freedom. That's strength. That's inner strength, boys. And you know what? When you say no, I'll tell you something even better. A guy who says no to something like that feels better than the guy that says yes. Think about it. Think about it. The guy who says no to the drink, the guy who says, yeah, let's drink, and drinks the whole bottle, he's laying on the floor, throwing up with a headache with that. He feels maybe good for a second, but the guy who says no, he's amazing. I had a time, but he's not here tonight. I'll end with this. An amazing Talmud, he was in Home Street Home when I met him, and, and he's one of my closest Talmudim, and he had a problem with alcohol, that was his problem, his problem was alcohol, and his worst day of the year was Purim, because everybody's drinking, and I'll never forget that the first Purim that I knew him, and he had, he had stopped drinking... He was in, I, I didn't know where he was. I got very nervous. I couldn't find him. He didn't have a cell phone. I couldn't find him. I figured he got blitzed in some porn party somewhere. He's laying on the floor or throwing up in a, in a toilet somewhere. And I couldn't find him. And I, I started driving. He wasn't in where he was supposed to be, whatever it is. I found him in Rabbi Weinfeld's Shul. I'll never forget it. It was 2 o'clock at night. I found him in Rabbi Weinfeld's Shul learning. Now, this guy didn't learn a whole night. What you, I said, what are you doing here? He says, Rebbe. I said, no. He says, I'm learning a whole night because if I go out there and I see people drinking, he says, I'm learning a whole night. I said, I am jealous. You have such inner power to go and sit and learn a whole night so you don't even see anybody drinking. I can't do that. I was like, wow, you're so strong. You're together saying no is together. I forgot the Gemara, what the Gemara says, the famous story where, where he took a sword and he put it between the two beds. That he whatever I remember, brother, whatever it was, and he put a sword between the two beds, and he said, "If I cross, I'm dead." That's power. I'm not saying here, yes, let's go hang out and do every every sin. That's not strength. That's weakness. That's not that's not freedom. That's a, that's avdus. That means that you're a slave. The difference between being a slave and not a slave is a teeny little between chametz and matzah. It's a second in life. It's a decision of Rabbi Wolsey should have said, "I'm on a diet." I just suffered eating you know, blackened fish with hot pepper on it so that I won't eat any bread or anything else. I gave up the bread. I gave up the toast. I gave up everything. And I couldn't pull the trigger. I'm a slave. I'm not free yet. I'll let you know when I'm free. But I'm not free. You're a slave. Someone who has to have a cup of coffee in the morning every single morning, whether it's good or not for him, he's a slave. You know how many people that I know, a very close relative of mine, who had open heart surgery. He had open heart surgery. He was a smoker. He came home, very close person to me. He came home after an open heart surgery and he said to me, Do me a favor, get me a pack of cigarettes. <laughs> I said, I can't buy you a pack of cigarettes. You just had open heart surgery. He says, I'm so uptight that I don't have cigarettes. It's making worse. I only, he only smoked three, four cigarettes. So I, whatever, bought him the pack. I got whatever, because he would have gotten it anyway. I'm not going to get to who it was, but a very close relative of mine. And he would sneak out when his wife wasn't watching. Right, He had a heart, he had a heart, open heart surgery, five, whatever. He would sneak out when his wife wasn't watching to have a cigarette. And he would say, ah. I was like, no, ah. You had open heart surgery. You're a slave. You're not free. You should be able to say, I want to live much longer. I don't need cigarettes anymore. You're a slave. You think sneaking a drink means you're free or sneaking a cigarette means you're free or sneaking a joint means you're free or, or, or sneaking out to meet some girl means you're free. To tell a girl, no. Absolutely no. I'm not going out with you tonight. I'm not meeting with you tonight. If this is a marriage thing, we'll do a shidduch. We'll do it right. What are you, crazy? What happened to you? I'll tell you what happened to me. I used to be a slave. I'm not a slave to, to, to my Sultan anymore. I'm free. I could say no to you. I could say no to anybody. <laughs> wow. Wow. Crazy. That's what we're supposed to work on. That's Pesach. Pesach is when the Jewish nation said to the Mitzrayim, we're free. We don't need this anymore. We're out of here. We're getting a Torah. We're getting something new. We don't need this. We're finished. It was real freedom. It wasn't, let's go sneak a cigarette. Let's go sneak that. That is not freedom. And I'm telling you, and everyone that's sitting in this room, it's a moment in life. It's a decision. My Yitzhahari got me this morning because he told me that I'm going to hurt this guy by eating the chocolate. But you hurt yourself by eating the chocolate. But you hurt yourself. And you could have told the guy, listen, I'm on a diet right now. Thank you very much. I'll take it home. I'll give it to my kids, whatever. The Yitzhahari got me. He sold me in the mitzvah. He put out his two things. He said, look, I'm kosher. How could you hurt this guy? He just went and made a whole pot of kugel for you. Made a whole pot of cholin for you. How could you not eat? It's not good for me. I can't eat. I wasn't free to say no. Tonight, what you have to get out of the shear is to go home and break those chains and be able... Now, I'm not telling you to say no to everything because of Yetzirah, then you're all the way on that side and it'll pull you back. You got to learn how strong you are you gotta learn how to break a little bit the chains. So you gotta take one thing on. One thing. To make yourself feel freedom. To say no. No is freedom. Get this in your head. Yes, you're an Evan. No is freedom. To be able to say no. And, I mean, they'll teach you to anyone who goes on a diet. You have to learn how to say no. There's always an excuse. There's a Bristol, there's a on bed, and there's a wedding, and, and you're going out with your friends, and only this time, and there's a business meeting. There's always, always a way and then you end up getting a lot of weight and becoming sick. The person has to learn how to say no. Start with something that, that's a little easy for you. Once you feel that inner strength, it'll, it'll, it'll come through you and you'll become very strong. And you're not going to become chametz. You're going to become matzah. Now's the time we have to start searching for our chametz inside. HaKadosh Baruch doesn't want to see what's outside your door. God wants to see what's inside your door. He wants to see the ice That you know He's there, the sign Inside your door. Let's try to start getting that sign inside of us. My bracha to everybody is that everyone should have the koyach to to become free. Everyone should have the koyach to show our Hu inside his door, inside who he is. That he that he's an oif, that he's a sign, and be very careful. Again, don't judge anyone who is very religious. It's not a question of religious, but someone who's showing off his religion, to everybody else. Look how firm I am. That's a person who's hiding something. That's a person you have to stay away from. Hashem should give you all the siyat de shmaya. That you should always know who the tzaddik is and who the rasha is and who you should get close to. And Akash Barcha will give you all the koyach that in that one second between chametz and matzah that all of us should be able through the eish, how do you make matzah, through the fire, through the fire of Torah, through the fire of the love of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, we should talk and become, each one of us in our soul should find matzah. The godless of matzah is that matzah doesn't rise, that it's an honor of the same thing. It's a person who's modest, who's changing on his own. He's not talking about it to anybody. That's matzah. Matzah is very low. It doesn't rise. Chamez, the Ah, look at me, look at how great, how great I am. We should all understand that the fire, the fire, that's what makes the matzah. Without the fire, it becomes hametz. We should all, Hashem should give every guy in this room, every one of us, every guy sitting here, a fire in his soul for the next four weeks till he gets to Pesach, a fire in his soul to change and to become truly free. And then that's what this Pesach, the Jewish nation will be out of that jail. The jailkeeper can stay in the jail. He can stay here in America. Who cares? But all of us will go to Eretz Yisrael. We'll be out of that jail, and we'll have Pesach and Eretz Yisrael. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.